Next, the Northwest African American Museum, or NAM, in Seattle's Central District reopened in January after a three-year-long renovation. The museum, established in 2008, is a space to honor and celebrate the Black community here in the Northwest. The museum is not just an institution that features visual art, but houses a number of programs. I spoke with NAM's president and CEO, Lanisha DeBartelaben, about the Northwest African American Museum and what it offers. DeBarta Laban starts with the history of African American museums nationwide first. I'm so inspired by the Black Museums movement. It was based on the Black History movement that was established by Dr. Carter G. Woodson, who started the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History in 1915, which was 50 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the 13th Amendment, the ending of slavery, 50 years after that. In 1915, racial terror was at an all-time high. Lynchings were at an all-time high. White supremacist organizations like the Ku Klux Klan proliferating in communities from the South to the North, West, East, all over the United States. And Dr. Carter G. Woodson, who received his PhD in history from Harvard, said in order for racial injustice to change, Black history must be centralized in the American story. And he created an association devoted to telling the story of black humanity. And a few years later, he started Negro History Week in 1926, which eventually became Black History Month. And the work of Carter G. Woodson and all who worked with him, they laid the foundation for black museums to be created a generation later. So the 1960s, it's when we find the establishment of black public museums. Now, the first African-American museum in the United States was established in 1868 at a historically black college, Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia. When that university was founded in 1868, they immediately had a university museum, and it still stands today, the Hampton University Museum, 160 plus years later. But public black museums did not come on the scene until the 1960s during the black cultural renaissance era. The first was in Cleveland, Ohio. It's no longer open. But the first lasting public African-American museum was established in Chicago in 1961, the DuSable Museum of African-American History. And then a few years after that, the Charles H. Wright Museum of African-American History in Detroit. But at that time, when it was founded, it was called the IAM, the International Afro-American Museum. And then a few years after that, the Anacostia Museum in Washington, D.C., and then the Studio Museum in Harlem, and then the African-American Museum in Philadelphia in 1976. So you see across the country, especially in these urban communities in which the African-American population was strong, 
and vibrant, you see the creation of these institutions that were devoted to education for liberation. They were devoted to the people, to telling the story of the people. And by 1978, these grassroots black museums came together to crystallize their work in the formation of the Association of African American Museums. And from that point to this one, black museums have been growing and about every other year, a new black museum established somewhere in the United States. And of course, 2016 was the creation and the opening of the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture. So black museums have had quite a journey of starting many times as grassroots institutions and then creating capital campaigns and growing their facility and growing their programming and growing their funding. Black museums are powerhouse institutions now and they are making impact from coast to coast. As I'm thinking about all the museums that are coming up now, are there challenges? We are in America and Black museums have had to be vigilant and aware, but steadfast in their mission, no matter what. And so, yes, Black museums have had to face racially hostile situations during annual King Days, for instance, or Juneteenth festivals or even Kwanzaa programming, when we have these cultural holidays that heighten our visibility, it creates opportunities for bigotry to surface. And what those moments manifest is the essentialness of black museums, that we cannot stop this work while racism exists, while white privilege, white supremacy, while racial hatred exist, and hatred of any kind exist, the work must go on. I know of black museum directors whose safety has been compromised because of the work that they're doing, but they don't stop because this work is so very essential and we find inspiration from those freedom fighters who came before us who didn't stop. We just celebrated the birthday of Dr. King and when we look at the civil rights movement and all of those frontline freedom fighting soldiers who marched with him and who boycotted with him and who prayed with him and who sang songs of freedom with him and who stood up to absolute hostility. We are their legacy. And as a result, we follow in their footsteps. And that means that we can't be stopped. Before coming to Seattle, Lanisha DeBartleben was Senior Vice President of Education and Exhibitions at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History in Detroit, Michigan. She has also studied museums around the world, and I asked DeBarta Laban how she got involved in black museums. You know, libraries saved my life, and museums gave me life. 
I grew up in an impoverished neighborhood in Michigan. Um, it's about two hours north of Detroit called Saginaw, Michigan. It's a smaller version of Detroit. And I did not have access to museums, but I did have access to libraries. And I would spend every day after school at the library falling in love with black stories, black history, black culture, black excellence, black leadership. I found examples of um, who I could be, who I could become. In addition to all of the models of black excellence that were around me, my school teachers, um, my aunts and uncles and my family and grandparents and parents and the church women at my church. And there were just, there were so many models of loving um, and nurturing black excellence around me. But because we were limited with financial resources, it was within the pages of books about black leaders that I found my greatest um, sense of um, representation and aspiration. And when I went off to college, I naturally majored in history and in education because those black school teachers um, set such an example for me that that is who I aspire to be in the world until I studied abroad in Africa and spent a year uh, studying in Kenya, Africa. And that changed everything for me because I came upon an opportunity at the National Museum of Kenya. And that is when I discovered the power of black museums to be agents of change within communities. And my life has been devoted to driving success for black museums since then. And that was well over 20 years ago. What would the museum in Kenya represent that really drew you to the power of a museum? The role of education in that museum was central. The museum was an institution that was meant to educate. And that's how I came into the world of museums. It was not through collections. It was not through curatorial work. It was not through preserving artifacts or objects or ephemera. It was through education as a means of liberation. And upon returning back to the United States, I immediately pursued museum studies for graduate school and said, I, I want to learn more about this. I want to understand the theory of museums and the practice of museums, but from an African-American centric perspective. And my life has been devoted to ensuring that black museums uh, thrive and flourish as institutions that make tremendous impact, impact that other institutions in the community are not making or cannot make. Black museums are doing impactful work even beyond what schools are doing, what families, churches, businesses, other nonprofits. Black museums are a very unique institution that provides information, inspiration, connection, and 
self-discovery. Could you share a specific example of how you've seen change in someone being able to benefit from a black museum? In one instance, the Northwest African American Museum brought Dr. Brittany Cooper of Rutgers University, also known as Professor Crunk, to talk about her scholarship and her work. And in the audience was an older white gentleman who resisted everything that she said and was vocal. And Professor Crunk, in her eloquence and in her brilliance, held a public history teaching lesson in our museum that literally shifted his mindset, his tone and demeanor, and I believe it shifted his life. I believe that he walked out a different person as a result of being directly but compassionately addressed. And those kinds of transformational encounters happen in black museums because people can come and be heard even when their viewpoints are divergent they will receive respect but they will be challenged to change they will be challenged to understand history and reality from a broader perspective and that is what happened on that evening it was powerful to see this opening of a mind that encounter with that powerful black woman historian who is the descendant of the enslaved it changed everything for him and because it changed him i believe that it had a ripple effect into the community into his circle and into the future that's the power of black museums when the truth is told, it changes everything. And we're radical at really being truth tellers as an institution. The space is centering the black community. This is where it needs to be. And you've got a room full of people. You've got him who has transformed. How does that feel to the black community, that balancing of everything, right? Because where does that leave the rest of the people that were there too? As I look back at that encounter, I believe that the other audience members were first relieved because there was a lot of tension just by his tone, his energy of privilege and his resistance. But when Dr. Cooper schooled him, as we say in certain neighborhoods, others saw a model of interrupting privilege that they could then use 
in situations that they would encounter. I think everybody in that audience learned from Dr. Cooper's model how to address, challenge, critique, and change racism at the individual level. It was a model for all of us in the audience to learn from. So I believe that it was a transformational moment, not just between professor and audience member, but I think that it was transformational at the collective level as well. So uh, it's, it's really about when something happens, how is that dealt with? And when it comes out with the truth, being able to be recognized and honored then it can be transformational for everyone. And if not, it is traumatizing. Absolutely, yes. That situation could have gone in a whole different direction. It could have absolutely been traumatizing, unsettling, hurtful, and demoralizing. But it was not at all. It was empowering and it was transformative, and it was instructive. Black museums go to where people are. Black museums do more than showcase art. Black museums are truly touching people's hearts, opening people's minds, and changing people's lives. I think about the cultural literacy programming that the Northwest African American Museum has done with the Knowledge is Power Books and Balls giveaway to have distributed at this point over 15,000 new free African American children's books all over this region so that children, all children, can see African American characters in their literature in the literature that's made for them, meant for them, composed for them. It's changing the lives of children and it's changing what I believe is their understanding of themselves. And as a result, it's changing the future trajectory of our community. These children are being empowered to understand the fullness of blackness and of black brilliance and black excellence. And these stories are not readily available in classroom textbooks, but this black museum is definitely making them readily available to children directly with our Knowledge is Power pop-up. And one of the programs that we created during the pandemic was the interactive story time. It's a part of our cultural literacy programming. As a part of that interactive story time in which we bring um, children's books being read virtually with children and to children, we also wanted to introduce children to black entrepreneurship and so we began showcasing black businesses following the story time we went into the community with our camera 
and our host and introduced children to black entrepreneurs. We're showing children that supporting black businesses is so crucial to everybody, to community. And it also shows children that entrepreneurship is a path of future possibility for them. We have our youth curators producing an animation every year in which they are creating cartoon characters based on Northwest black historical figures. They're, this year they're creating cartoon characters based on William Gross, for instance, who was one of the first black entrepreneurs here in Seattle that is an entry point for kids to learn more and get excited about black history and not just national black history, not just learning about Frederick Douglass and Rosa Parks and Dr. King and, and so forth, but learning about the black history of their own local and regional community. When the COVID pandemic closed our doors, we no longer could tell the stories that we um, were accustomed to telling, these stories of black heritage and black culture. We couldn't tell them in the traditional ways anymore of having a tour inside of the museum. And so what we did was created a traveling choir to tell these stories through song. And our choir traveled across the region and performed at gatherings and told the stories of our ancestors through song, stories like Oh Freedom. Oh freedom over me, before I be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. Our ancestors who were enslaved sang that song. That's, that's our history. Songs like, ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. Songs like Keep Your Eyes on the Prize and Hold On. Songs like Lift Every Voice and Sing. Till Earth and Heaven Ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the glistening sky. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Those songs of heritage are so important. They tell our story. And so when we created our traveling choir, we continued on our mission 
to use black heritage to cultivate healing and hope. And that's the purpose of our choir, to use these songs of black heritage to inspire healing at the individual level, healing at the collective level. Because during the COVID pandemic, everybody suffered so much in so many different ways. There was so much isolation, there was so much loss. Songs have this way of lifting the spirit and opening the way for hope to come in, hope for a better, brighter tomorrow. Songs have a way of bringing people together. We have this collective experience when we, when we hear melodies, when we hear rhythm, when we hear uh, beautiful vocals. And so our choir was the museum. <laughs> it was a mobile museum that was set to music and traveled across the region, bringing black stories of heritage to the hearts, the souls, and the ears of, of listeners everywhere. And they made impact. They have performed in front of just about all of the Seattle professional sports teams. They've performed at the games of Seattle Sounders, Seattle Kraken, Seattle Seahawks. They've been performing at retirement homes, like schools, and just all over at the mall. <laughs> like this choir is really uplifting people's hearts and minds by singing black heritage not just showing it through art but singing it mm. and you don't forget a song it stays with you black music is so honest and reflective of the black experience when we think for instance about marvin gaye's song what's going on that question caused people to really think deeply about, okay, what's going on? Is this the path that's best for our collective future? What's going on? Come on, talk to me, brother. You can see what's going on. Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Tell me what's going on. And so black music has this way of causing us to um, be reflective and be critical thinkers. And to take that assessment of the world and to do something with it, to make a change. Michael Jackson, <laughs> man in the mirror, make a change. NAM's African American Cultural Ensemble uses songs of heritage, but also inspirational songs to inspire people to continue to be critical thinkers, to continue to be informed activists, to continue to persevere in the midst of very perilous times, come together to truly make this community a better place for all. We are the ones that can and must 
and the music provides motivation to do so. The Northwest African American Museum in Seattle has gone through a renovation. Other features of the museum is a living room with books and videos playing for children. In art, the museum features art from the Onyx Fine Arts Collective. There's an exhibition called The Colors of Life featuring abstract art by black artists from throughout Washington. Another exhibit is The Long Walk to Hope. It features historic photos set to music of the 40-year history of the Seattle MLK Organizing Coalition March, which has taken place each Martin Luther King Jr. Day since 1983. This year, the MLK March ended at the museum. You can find more information about the museum at naamnw.org. For KBCS, I'm Yuko Kodama. Special thanks to Jaleesa Bass for help producing that story. Not